On this episode of our podcast, we are in sermon debrief mode on Exodus chapter 14, which was summarized as God conducting salvation symphony to crescendo with his glory, which includes our trials and our deliverance. Before we embark on that discussion together with these brother pastors of mine, I actually just want to read a short excerpt from Michael Reeves' book, The Unquenchable Flame, Discovering the Heart of the Reformation. He writes about uh, Puritan preachers who knew each other and uh, who knew uh, other Puritans in the area, and they had a practice that they established of gathering for what they called prophesyings, which sounds a little bit more outlandish than it really is. What would happen at these meetings is that a few pastors would preach in turn the sermons I would imagine they just recently preached at their churches. Then the sermons would be discussed, helping the preachers to preach better and the people listening to benefit from a month's worth of sermons in a day. The prophesyings were wildly popular, Reeves writes. People would travel for miles in an age when travel was slow to enjoy such a hefty serving of preaching and... The well-to-do often did all they could to help sponsor the events by supplying the preachers with dinner and wine. So there you go. But uh, anyway, they had this practice where they would get together, they would listen to each other preach, and uh, God's people would just sit in and listen to uh, brother pastors, preachers, just dialogue together on the sermon that was preached. So there's a historical uh, sort of practice for what it is that we're doing on these podcasts. We're not asking you to come anywhere. You're listening to this in your car, on your phone, your house, and we are just interacting together on the most recent sermon in the life of our church. So, uh, brothers, what do you want to say about Exodus 14? Oh, we're not eating dinner after these conversations. No, it's true. I'm confused on that part. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, sorry. You're going to go home for dinner after this, Ah. so you're on your own. They don't have to travel, but they can send us food. They could. That is a shameless ask. (laughs) I thought that was that why you that's why you were reading that. That's not why I was setting it up, but if you want to take it that way, you go right ahead. <laughs> One of the questions that we typically discuss around the table at our pastor meetings is how did the sermon directly have implications for your life? And I don't know about you guys, but I need a reminder about the glory of God hmm. and that everything is about him quite often. <laughs> sure. And uh, even just even just the mon- most mundane things get in the way right. of remembering that sort of thing, not to mention suffering and salvation, the two themes that you hit on in the sermon. And so uh, I was helped, oriented during the sermon to think about the glory of God again, and then how beautiful to then jump into those two themes of suffering and salvation. So That's thank good. you, brother, for unpacking that text faithfully and reminding us about the glory of God. Well, that's why we, thank you, appreciate your encouragement. That's why we come back each week, right? Because we all need that reorientation and we don't just need it once a week, as you're saying. We need that reorientation all the time because we're glory thieves Mm -hmm. and it's easy for us Mm -hmm. to bend things in on around ourselves rather than for it to uh, be about God and his glory. So uh, yeah, we don't necessarily expect that everyone is going to remember everything that they heard in the sermon, but hopefully by God's grace in the course of a week that will serve as nourishment, then we return and we receive more. So, Yeah, I wrote down 
as you were finishing up making your first point, we need to see God's glory more than we need comfortable lives. Mm. And that really landed on me, and I was even thinking that the day previous, I had gone grocery shopping, Mm -hmm. and I had some paid merchandise in my cart, and I was gathering some other stuff that was, you know, 50% off and, you know, limited supply, and somebody stole my cart. I was... Really? I was at the dairy case. (laughs) What? I was at the dairy case looking, and I turn around, and I grab this cart. It's not my cart. (laughs) Someone took my cart instead of theirs. Okay. (laughs) And what it took to get the cart and the merchandise and everything, you know, it just... Did you it just get drove it me back? Nuts. I did get okay. it back. Well, well, the price of groceries not, these not days, per, I mean, you want yeah. to get that back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You do want to get it back. And I had to do some reshopping to get everything back. It was. <laughs> it, it's a long story, but my point is that this really landed on me because my comfortable life was sorely disrupted Sure. by that, by that someone just taking the wrong cart and then doing something screwy with it. And, and it just reminded me, that God was completely erased from my world right. in that moment. Right. What he was up to, what he was doing in my heart, yeah. what all his planned purposes for that moment were lost on me because my comfortable life was being disrupted. Which is and exactly just, what happened to the Israelites when they lifted up their eyes and there's Pharaoh bearing down on them and they just they, they lose it. They lose it on Moses. They're yep. like, this is just a nightmare. Yeah, everything that happened in those 10 previous plagues, forgotten. Yeah. Wow. And and then, like, that's me. Sure. That's me right there on Saturday. And it's me a dozen times a day that I can think of. And so that just really landed on me to be more aware of God's glory and what he's up to than my comfortable life. Good word, brother. Yeah. I don't know if you guys listened to <clears throat> Kevin's first podcast today, Why We Suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like not yet. I mean, you'll see half of your sermon and what right. he said. Sure. Um, Which I don't know if you remember what you said? Well, <laughs> recorded like weeks when not ago. Not with my grocery yeah. cart stolen. <laughs> Forget all of that. <laughs> but it's no, this I, pattern. Like, so the question is like, why? What? what why do we suffer? suffering? And um, Pastor Kevin like concluded with like, I feel like the conclusion could the conclusion could have like just got into your sermon okay and what i wrote is so the crescendo and the was it was the the opposite of crescendo diminuendo i think is the no how did you how did you word it in your because i had a up arrow and then a down arrow sure i think de dumois is the word he used some, okay. Someone who's a musical person is going to write to us and be like, yeah. y'all don't know what you're it's, talking about. It's literally, anyway. But it is French. Oh, yeah. yeah. So for me, it was like suffering than glory. Right. And like I think you did well with Christ in it and for us to be challenged by that and gave kind of a sense to our suffering hmm. in a way. Um, and yeah, for his glory. That's the, that was it. That's good. That language of the symphony... Mm. was wonderful mm. because when when we think about glory and then we think about like the music in your chest as you're taking in sure. a symphony like just yeah that speaks so powerfully and we're headed into a song we are that's uh 
Maybe a little planned. Uh, who knows? <laughs> okay. How, how did you get into that symphony wording? For the well, I, I I I think in multiple places I did see people write about just the way that that God has orchestrated or just conducted. He, like that's what he's like here in Exodus. So all of the plagues, even them going down, like we go back into Genesis and how Joseph ends up where he does, which is how the Israelites end up where they do. Go all the way back to Genesis 15 and the Lord tells Abraham that they're going to be in slavery for a certain period of time and he's going to visit them and they're going to come up out of there. You've got Joseph who's expecting that to happen at the end of Genesis 50. You have all of the plagues. You have God telling them to turn back. He's he's just, he's calling all the shots. Uh, he's directing everything. So uh, you could use a director, you could use a conductor, you could use a, but he's, 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 the, he's directing everything. And uh, it just has this in this moment of crescendo, right? Like the sea, they come through, the Egyptians are destroyed. It's just this high point uh, in the book. I think some people would say there's kind of three high points in Exodus, and this is one of them. And so that all just sort of combined in my thinking. And this is one of those, uh, you know, in the as we're talking on Sunday nights with the Simeon Trust stuff about the pathway for preparation and going from the text to today, this is just one of those ways of plating the meal, I suppose, right? And you're trying to make it sort yeah. of appetizing or adorning what you're talking about in a way that will hopefully, you know, resonate with people and stick in their memory. And so that just was helpful to me to think about it that way and maybe it was helpful to others. So that's kind of how I got on track with that um, sort of way of thinking. And It was a good metaphor. And I was thinking maybe especially as as next week. Yeah, there's a song. There's a, there actually that's is right. a song and yeah. they are singing and... But I thought it was just a helpful metaphor. That's good. I had a helpful conversation with one of our church members on Sunday night. He was just reflecting on the morning and thinking about the, just so we were really clear on, and maybe it was clear on what we're saying here about God conducting our trials. He's directing those too. Uh, he was talking about the uh, potential difficulties that we might face as Christians in North America, increasingly so. And he, he was saying, I don't want to be unaware of those things. We talked about how we don't want to romanticize persecution because we don't, because it really actually is suffering. And our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering in different ways in different places. But he said, I'm not worried about it. I, I'm not afraid of the reality of that based on what we see in Exodus chapter 14. Mm -hmm. Because, and there isn't any reason for us to be because the Lord is even in control of these things. And he was like, is that a right? Like, is that a right application? Is that a right way of thinking about this? And I'm saying, absolutely, that's a right way of thinking about it. And we talked a little bit about Acts chapter 4 and how the believers there, as they were facing suffering, their prayer request wasn't that they be taken, the sufferings be taken away, the persecutions be taken away, or they be taken out of them. Their response, Their prayer response was, they acknowledge God's sovereignty and they pray for boldness because they just understand that he is directing, orchestrating, in control of all of these factors that we experience. And so uh, that's a really comforting reality. I think in, that in, uh, in terms of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah. will take care of itself. You know, that idea of borrowing trouble or... Sure. Because we rarely imagine the grace of God when we imagine the future. We just imagine the trouble. That's right. We don't imagine the grace of God that's going to meet us there. And I think, too, is Peter's addressing a suffering church, and he says, 
uh, in this you rejoice, um, 1 Peter 1, 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that little, that little phrase, if necessary, well, right. it's nece- it is necessary sure. because they're suffering, but it's only suffering that's necessary right. that will happen. Right. Necessary for what? For that testing, purifying of their faith, more precious than gold to be revealed to the glory and honor of Christ in the last day. Sure. So that's greatly assuring. Absolutely. And you still right. hear that same crescendo of glory in what Peter's writing yeah. is what we see in, in Exodus chapter 14. So when we have that in mind, when we bear that in mind, it really does shift how we view the hardships that we experience. But going back to that moment when you have the shopping cart experience mm. or, you know, a few weeks ago... Uh, we left our car open, we had a backpack stolen, our family, mm. we're family rock climbers. We had hundreds of dollars of gear taken from our car. And you have those moments, you have these more significant moments, things that we pray about on a Sunday morning in the lives of our people that are going on. How do you, in a moment like that, become reoriented? You just wait for Sunday to come and hear a sermon and hopefully the Lord works in, in that. And, you know, how, how do you guys navigate that whole realm of, you know, you're, you're, you're frustrated or there's really serious and significant things that unfold in your life and you're scared. Uh, what, you know, how, how, how do we do that? And how do we, how do we, what does it look like for us to, um, I suspect that we'll continue to be like the Israelites in some regards, but how do we get to a place where the, t- the time frame between remembering and forgetting and remembering again, just gets smaller. Any thoughts? That's a, that's a really good question. I, th- I find it in my life, it comes through practice, mm-hmm. right? You, you have that moment of forgetfulness and uh, I've even, uh, my wife and I even have a word. So I get home and then I, I start retelling this. And as I get, as I'm retelling the story, I'm getting increasingly worked up. Sure. It's just, I'm just experiencing the all over again. And she just reminds me, uh, that God is at work, that um, he, he's behind this, he's orchestrating it for my good, to borrow your term. Mm-hmm. And I think as we do that, we, we have these moments we forget, and then at some point, God is gracious to help us to remember. And through the practice of that, I think we just, over time, that distance shortens. Yeah, sure. We remember sooner. In fact, to the, we're aiming for remembering it in the moment. In the moment, that's and exactly. Not, and, not have, and not even having those... Those moments, though, we're human. We're mm-hmm. fall. Well, it's not because we're human. It's because we're fallen. Sure. And we will have those moments. And even I talk about this all the time. I talk about it with people who struggle all the time, and I struggle with it myself. Right. It's just. But we. And 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 I think another another part of that answer is pick pick a particular place where you particularly struggle to forget. And aim at that one. Right. So for me, for the last couple of months, it's been traffic. Okay. It's getting upset in traffic. Yep. And that, and I've seen God work, and I've seen my remembering take place sooner. In fact, so in the moment, I'm remembering God's up to something, and then that's why my grocery cart's stolen to show <laughs> so me that there's oh, another area. There's a hey look, <laughs> hey look, Kevin. There's another area in your life where you forget me too. Yeah. 
Hmm. And you forget, and you forget, and you forget. And so we're working on that one, and now we're, we're going to work on this one for a while. And, and those are transferable. Yes. The, the sanctification there is transferable. So you work on it in one area, then you'll see it transfer to other areas. So I yeah. hear you say, pick an area where you're weak. Pick an area where you're prone to sin. A particular area. Mm -hmm. it's very specific. Yeah. Get specific. And then I'm also hearing you say that we are helped by the community of God's people. So in this case, you're saying your wife, who is a believer, is reminding you of this. So we need one another. So that's, that's another uh, means of grace that God has given to us to help us in those moments of forgiveness. Yeah. And I rant, and I rant at her because she's the she's really the safest person in sure. my life to just let loose. Right. And so she's the one who has the keys to remind me. God's at work. Now let's let's turn the heat down. It's good. And it's good. It's really helpful. I joked with you earlier that I was wondering how much it would cost me to buy that word from Leanna, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. Well, you got, he doesn't know the word. I don't know what the word is. He's not telling no. us. I'm not going to ask him, especially as we're recording. So uh, <laughs> anything you guys want to say on that? Those moments where you're totally, you're not even thinking about the Lord because of some type of trial or difficulty or, you know, persecutions in varying degrees and we face opposition, uh, you know, depending on our circumstances. So any thoughts you want to contribute? This is why... I'm so grateful for a habit of prayer in our home mm -hmm. because oftentimes we might get to like dinner and we've been talking about things that are stressing us out or we've been, you know, mulling on something all day long and we haven't really brought it before the Lord. Mm. And for us, dinner isn't the pastoral prayer time of the day. Sure. Our poor son just starts eating. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give him some slack as he's very little. Yeah. And, and you know, this. it sounds super spiritual to be like, yeah, we go to prayer in these moments. <laughs> but, but there's something built in to our day that is routine and habitual. And oftentimes, whether we think about it or not, we actually pray about the top things in our life that are stressing us out Makes in real sense. times. And so just, just by default... And so I'm just remembering God's grace in that habit through this conversation. Sure. And, uh, and that's really helpful. Um, Bree and I try and pray before we go to bed. And yeah, oftentimes it's those very things that we maybe didn't react to very well a few hours earlier. Sure. But there's that time to be like, oh, wait a second. We live all of life before the face of God. And so let's live these stressors before the face of God as well, acknowledging that. And hopefully that'll work its way down to our heart. So I think by God's grace, that's a area where we try to uh, target those. Very helpful. So another means of grace, mm -hmm. cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. So we're reminded of him when we bring these matters to him. And uh, yeah, he helps us in those moments because we know he's listening and uh, we know that, that prayer is uh, one of the ways that he works in and through our lives to change us. So, good. Sergey, anything you want to add, brother? Um, I mean, <clears throat> both things that Kevin Kilo said, great. Um, one thing, if I, outside of those two things, um, I've started seeing, like, the doxology to James. Like, okay. Like, three years ago. Yeah. Like, um, just to go to bed. And it really, mm. it was a, Small thing, but it it made us it makes a significant like change in it, like helps sure, me sure like um, after we have a crazy day, crazy bedtime mm -hmm. to kind of re resets reset ourselves yeah um, and praise God for what we have 
and now we've been seeing uh, all I have is Christ. Sure, Hallelujah, Jesus is my life, mm-hmm. and it's like encouraging me to see a four-year-old kid seeing it, not really fully understand, like of course. The, what it means, but he is seeing those truths through my life. So that, those are kind of like the ways. It's kind of almost automatic, mm-hmm. but it like long t- on long time it really helps, and I think it's all those like um, the things like if I forget about it, like he wants to sing it. Mm. And if I I don't want to, he's like, well, you didn't sing my song, right? Which causes you to uh, reflect on what's going 100%. on in your own heart. Why is it that yeah. I am so wanting to rush this yeah. bedtime routine that I don't want to yeah. take 60 seconds to praise the Lord with my lips, 100%. which has to be the heart also. And so you're confronted. It's hard to sing that song yes. angry. It is, absolutely. <laughs> no, so really. It is. So praise I, I, God. <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah. But it really kind of resets you. It's like, and seriously, like every time I was singing, like I would close that door, I'd be like, okay, wow, like, hmm. God is gracious. Yes. And we're trying to remember in that moment. So I feel like when we, because it's, it's really easy to forget God when we are in the heat, um, but I think if we create automatic systems like routines, yeah. like Caleb, you do, with you, we have systems I feel like outside of us that kind of help us, like safeguards, safe for us to kind of like mm-hmm. bring us back. And we're not talking extremely complicated. Yeah, it's a sixty seconds matters in my life. here. No, pray at dinner. Yeah, and, you pray and those at are dinner. and those are means of grace. Yes, whether it's community 100%. or prayer, or your son saying, "Let's sing together." Yeah, it's it's all reorienting and, and, and helpful. It's, it's incredible to see just how kind the Lord is to provide all of these different ways to return our thinking, return our hearts return our adoration, our focus towards himself, mm. which is what we were made for and which is where we find the greatest joy and satisfaction. And, uh, no, wonderful. Thanks. That's really helpful. Mm. A great moment in the sermon was when you said something to the effect, well, you pointed out that every single one of the Israelites made it through mm. the Red Sea. Not, not one of the Egyptians made it. And uh, there was a watery grave there. And as I've been thinking about that, it this is the truth for all of salvation history. God vanquishes his enemies. He gives victory to his people. Yes. And, and, and this is always what God does. And so, sure, there were probably, you know, going back to some comments you made a few sermons ago, there were probably some weaker Israelites who had mm. to work their way through the Red Sea. Um, Complaining as they... Walking yeah. in that muddy water. Yeah. Where's this guy bringing us? Sure. What so, is he doing? You know, someone probably needed help, like some of the elderly. Mm-hmm. and But every single one of them mm-hmm. made it through. And then you have these warriors, the like the pinnacle of fitness, and they're, they're destroyed. Yeah, Absolutely. Good. God does that all throughout salvation history. And so he does that from Genesis to Revelation, and we find ourselves in that sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, every single one of us who belongs to Jesus Christ, we we can know for sure that his enemies will be vanquished, and 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 we lament that in one sense because yep. we do not want to see, as God doesn't, any sure. perish. Yeah. But we rejoice in that as well because God's God's holiness and His justice is vindicated, yeah. and every single one of His people makes it safely home. 
when I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold mm. me fast. And so there's just there's that theme. And what's so interesting about expository preaching, about the terrain of the sermon being the terrain of the text, is that as we go through books of the Bible, if if I want to preach on, you know, God will hold you, Christian, I'm going to go to the book of John, where they, <laughs> where the key texts are for that. But that's not just a gospel of John reality. Mm-hmm. That is a people of mm. God reality in the book of Exodus, and we should preach that from the book of Exodus. Amen. And guess what? As we see that, we'll actually start to go through our Bible and we'll see, this is what he does all throughout salvation history. And so expository preaching helps us to see um, those key texts that you know are actually supported by the whole narrative of Scripture. So just being encouraged by that particular truth through Exodus. But I think what it helps us also is to, because we get practice in seeing those principles outside of the book of John, then how about our life? and start to see those principles in our life, mm-hmm. in our reality, by learning, like, well, this is the principle that was applied here. and Yeah. Uh, Here's how God worked in that situation, and that one, and that one, yeah. and that one, so I can what assume he's working that principle here in mm. my own circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that the Father has given the Son, like, the Son will never let go of them, right? They're mm-hmm. in the double grip. And it's like, you read that verse, and you're like, that's true, because that was true in Exodus as well. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And just all like it just holds scripture up. That's why those elderly people who get to the end of their life and they quote a text, and everyone that's hearing them quote that text as being meaningful to them in a certain moment, everyone goes, Wow, there's some substance to what that person is saying. Behind that is hundreds of sermons and hundreds of texts of the Bible that this person has imbibed, and all of it, you know almost like it's in this toothpaste tube being squeezed out through that verse in that moment. That's why that's so powerful, because the whole of Scripture, the whole of this person's experience is is screaming out, the Lord is is good and faithful and just and right through that verse. And that's why we're committed to working our way through Old and New Testament. Mm -hmm. We we purposefully alternate between books, and uh, it just uh, reminds me of the phrase before you jump in, Kevin, uh, it takes a whole, I don't know who said this, I remember where I first heard it, but it takes a whole Bible to preach a whole gospel to make whole Christians. Mm-hmm. Kevin, you were going to say something. I was just going to reflect on what Caleb said in, in your last uh, sermon point uh, in verses 30 and 31, a response is expected. That's right. And that response, as we look at those verses, is they feared the Lord, they believed the Lord. And that is an application. That is a response because believing and fearing the Lord impacts all other aspects of life. Just like we were talking about with, you know, stolen backpacks and shopping carts and, you know, being called to praise the Lord when you're angry or there's been tough times during the day in every aspect of life. And we are, I think we are expected to read Exodus and praise the Lord. Yes. It's not just something they did, oh, look at how it works in our life too. That That's true. But we're expected to read that and see this is what our God has done. Let's praise the Lord. Especially in light of what Paul does say in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is. And we dealt with this a little bit uh, in the baptism that happened on Sunday. But these things were written as an example for us on whom the end of the ages has come. So we read this, and that is exactly how we're supposed to, how are we to respond to what God has done? See, fear, trust. 
This is the premier event of salvation in the Old Testament. Absolutely. And we, we get that in the Psalter too, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're supposed to remember this, and we're supposed to be driven to praise. And the psalmist says again and again and again, hey, remember what happened back here? Praise him, praise him, praise him. Mm-hmm. So there's application in the Psalter. There's application mm-hmm. in the New Testament all throughout. And I would say, and maybe this would be a good thing to make sure is said on a Sunday, that as we're working through Exodus and as you pick up the Psalms, just look for Exodus-like language. Mm-hmm. You will see references to God's outstretched arm, his mighty right hand. Uh, the prophets talk about the sea. Uh, you just do a quick search on Bible Gateway or on version on your phone and just Red Sea or sea or those phrases. I remember an Old Testament uh, introduction class that I took in my undergraduate at Heritage, and he assigned to us... Uh, um, uh, one of the assignments he gave to us was to read through the Psalms and to find all of the Exodus-like language. And it was like, it was a joke. I think he was setting us up because there was, and he wanted us to quote it. So just submit all of the quotations you can find in the Psalms of the Exodus. And it's like, do I just give you the whole thing? I mean, what, it just doesn't seem to end. Now it's not that exhaustive, but I think his point is well made. And yeah. he was just making us see how much so that is the premier salvation event, Passover, uh, Red Sea, and uh, it's so important that we we see that, and that becomes the framework through which the Israelites worship Yahweh uh, all the way throughout the Old Testament. Any closing, final comments? Anything you want to say before we wrap up? Well, this is more this is more facetious, but uh, so I don't know if it's a good closing comment. But I noted <laughs> at some point in your sermon, you used the term "sinking feeling." referring to some thought you were having. And I just wrote it down. I looked at Leanna, and we just chuckled in our seats because... No pun intended. No pun intended. Sinking feeling. And then the Egyptians, they're, they're going to their watery grave. Sure. I love that question that you quoted from the life group. Were there fish in the walls of the water? <laughs> it, and, and, and the you know, I don't think you redeemed the question. I thought you treated the question very well yeah. in the sense that, like, hey, like, let's wonder at God yeah. in this moment. So, I mean, it, the whole text just helps us to wonder at God. Absolutely. And it is hard. It, you know, I, I really meant it when I was saying at one point, I don't know what to say about this. I, I, what words capture the, what God is doing here? It, it, you kind of just want to read it and leave it alone. It's one of those moments where it's like, I don't know what I'm going to add to this. I just hope God by his spirit is making you mesmerized over who God <laughs> is in this moment. Because I, 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 think, I think it was a fisherman question. Might Just be. imagining like uh, that amount of water being moved. <laughs> sure. No fish is going to be there. <laughs> it, it came from a life group where I know one of the coordinators loves to fish, so <laughs> maybe it was. I'm going to I'm gonna use that excuse next time I have like writing block for my sermon. I'm going to be like, and this is just so amazing that I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> but I'm saying things, and I'm saying it's amazing, and I'm saying it's amazing again. No, I totally this is not, a, not a good preaching strategy. <laughs> I, I like the way you treated that question in that you, you did take it and say, this this helps us wonder to think of all the things that were going on in that moment. Like this was something never before seen, and and we can be amazed by that. Just mm. mm-hmm. it, if it helps us wonder to imagine details that aren't in the text. They're not in the text because they weren't important to the story, but they help us wonder. Mm-hmm. They help us stand in awe of a moment that we weren't personally a part of, and that helps us give glory to God. Amen. It's also good to realize too, and I, I love the questions that come and 
but it's maybe this is a good moment to say that God doesn't tell us everything that we would like to know, but he does tell us everything that we need to know for salvation. Mm. And there are lots of things that we will yet discover about the Lord and his works. I mean, even John indicates this, right, in his gospel. If, if we were to write everything down mm-hmm. that Jesus did, the world wouldn't be able to contain the books. But we have the hope of the new heavens and the new earth and being in God's presence and seeing the face of Jesus Christ. And so all of the questions and things that we might wonder and discover about God will always have some because there will always be something more about him to discover because he's inexhaustible, he's eternal, he is, there's always going to be more, which is really quite an incredible prospect for us as human beings who have been brought into fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Sounds like a good place to end. We'll wrap up there. Thank you, brothers, for your time. Thank you for listening.